everyone. Welcome to the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Texas Real Estate Research Center at Texas A&M University. I'm Haley Reeder-Wiley, Communications Specialist. Today is Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. On this day in 1848, the Texas legislature formally established Gillespie County off of Bear and Travis counties. The first known residents of the county, which is in West Central Texas, were the Tonkawa Native Americans before becoming home to Comanches and Kiowas. The future county was first established by Europeans in 1846, when John O. Musebach led a group of 120 Germans to the site of Fredericksburg. The legislature named the county after Captain Robert A. Gillespie, a hero of the recent Mexican War, and made Fredericksburg the county seat. As of 2020, Gillespie County was home to just under 27,000 residents. Now on to today's podcast. Inflation has been increasing at an incredibly fast rate in recent months. In 2021, the Consumer Price Index climbed 7%, the largest 12-month gain since June 1982, according to the Department of Labor. These increasing costs have further eroded housing affordability, which has been an increasing problem across Texas over the past decade. How exactly has inflation impacted home affordability, and what's in store for Texas homebuyers? Dr. Claire Losey, Texas Real Estate Research Center Assistant Research Economist, is here to share her insights. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. What has driven the high home price appreciation and inflation we have seen since the start of the pandemic? So perhaps most simply stated, strong demand amidst continued supply side challenges. And so if we want to unpack that a little bit, we can think first in terms of the demand side. So the COVID-19 pandemic really bolstered households' preferences for homeownership, particularly among households that were able to work from home. We saw a strong preference for more space, a strong preference for homes in the suburbs with larger backyards and more outdoor space to entertain or to just simply hang out with kids. And then meanwhile, low mortgage interest rates allowed buyers to keep the costs of borrowing mortgage capital relatively low. And even amidst rising home prices, those lower mortgage interest rates kept the total monthly mortgage payments lower than it would have otherwise been had mortgage interest rates been a little bit higher like they are today. So again, remembering that mortgage interest rates were certainly lower and actually at all-time lows towards the beginning of the pandemic, that really bolstered household demand for homeownership. And then there was also the strong demand from folks out of state. We saw a lot of folks relocating from places like California, um, even places like Florida during the pandemic. They really wanted more space, or maybe they were trying to leave a particular environment. They saw Texas as perhaps a more business-friendly climate, or just even a, a state with lower 
median home prices and, and more conducive to home ownership all in all. And then I would say on the demand side, the COVID-19 pandemic actually precipitated a variety of supply-side constraints, including backlogs of building materials and a shortage of construction labor. And we've all really experienced the, the backlog of goods and services. I mean, we've seen that, you know, with all of the, the goods that have been stuck in the, the port of LA, for example, that's been an involving story. But just knowing that there have been a lot of supply side constraints in terms of construction materials and labor, um, that's, that's really that's really inflated home prices in a way that it otherwise would not have. So I would say, you know, thinking in terms of supply and demand side factors, again, on the supply side, that backlog of construction materials and labor, and then on the demand side, continued strong population growth and strong preferences for homeownership amidst initially, you know, low mortgage interest rates at the beginning of the pandemic. So how exactly has inflation diminished purchase and repayment affordability? And who is most affected by these price increases? So when we talk about inflation, we are really referring to its effect on households' real income. In other words, inflation diminishes a household's purchasing power So for the same dollar, I can't go out and buy the same amount of goods and services during inflationary periods or during periods of rising inflation. And because households purchasing power is diminished, it also reduces both their purchase and repayment affordability. So when we talk about purchase affordability, we're really talking about home purchasing potential. And so when inflation is higher than on average, it indicates to us that the household can no longer perhaps afford the same priced home as they otherwise could have. So the required income to qualify for the same priced home is going to increase slightly. And that's going to push home buyers on the margin out of home ownership. And generally those home home buyers on the margin are low income and minority households. They're generally first time home buyers who lack the income, wealth, and or credit to qualify for conventional mortgage financing. So they generally depend on federally backed loans with lower down payments, lower credit requirements, lower income requirements, et cetera. But because inflation reduces home purchasing potential, it will most directly play into low income and minority home buyers' ability to purchase a home. And then when we talk about repayment affordability, we're really talking about a household's ability to sustain or to maintain home ownership. So to continue to make those monthly mortgage payments. And the biggest component of continuing to be a homeowner, i.e. continuing to make those monthly mortgage payments, 
is ensuring that your income remains the same if you're still working, of course. Um, and so a component of that, when we're talking about inflation, is just the fact that, again, during periods of higher inflation, your purchasing power is diminished. So your dollar does not, does not stretch as far as it otherwise would have. And so you're having to spend a higher proportion of your income on things like maintaining your, your monthly mortgage payment. And that's, again, going to affect, most affect households on the margin, particularly low-income and minority homeowners who can't necessarily afford to spend a higher proportion of their income on housing costs. So what are some potential solutions for home affordability? I would say that that really boils down to facilitating the supply side constraints. So when we talk about housing supply, we're really referring to what I anecdotally like to call the five L's, and that's land, laws, labor, lumber, and lending. And so when we're talking about land, we're referring to the availability of developable land. And so this is a fixed quantity, right? We can't artificially create new land. However, you can artificially change things like laws, i.e. planning and zoning. You can, you can change your laws and regulations to be more conducive, for example, to higher density housing, like condos, duplexes, and townhomes. You can also increase your supply of construction labor. So these are folks like electricians, foremen, um, you know, anyone involved in the process of, of building a home. You can also try to um, facilitate more construction materials. And that's what we're referring to when we say lumber, just construction materials in general. And again, this has been a really big issue over the past several years, um, and particularly over the past year or so, as inflation has emerged as a really pressing issue in our economy, you know, just access to those, those goods and services as well, you know, the construction labor, access to that has really diminished. Um, and so our ability to facilitate housing affordability really relies on our ability to increase access to construction labor and materials and to create laws and regulations that are more conducive to different types of housing, perhaps. So we aren't just relying on the traditional single family homeownership model, which certainly has its benefits, but also is more expensive in terms of its, of its inputs and therefore prices out a higher proportion of households ultimately. Are these high home price appreciation rates here to stay? Yes and no, which is a very confusing answer, and I will unpack that. So we do expect that home prices will continue to rise or appreciate. However, the rate of growth in home prices is probably going to dissipate some, somewhat. So instead of double-digit home price appreciation, 
like what we saw nationwide in 2021, wherein home prices appreciated on average about 20% year over year. We expect appreciation to moderate slightly over time. So another way to think of this is in terms of, of base effects. So in other words, when the median home price for a particular geography is smaller, there's a lot more room for that home price to increase than if the home price in that geography is large to begin with. So we can think about a geography with a median home price of $200,000. It can probably withstand double-digit home price appreciation, and, it, and particularly it can withstand that for longer than a geography with a median home price of, say, $800,000 or a million dollars. So again, that the rate of growth in home price appreciation is going to dissipate somewhat over time, but we certainly expect home prices to continue to rise. Thanks again for being here, Claire. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again, Claire. For more, check out her article, High Anxiety, How Rising Inflation Impacts Housing Affordability. The link to this article and our housing affordability database is on our podcast webpage and in the YouTube description box. For more housing data, check out our Texas Housing Insight Report. This monthly report is a summary of important economic indicators that help discern trends in the Texas housing markets. Read the publication online for free and subscribe to email notifications so you always know when the latest report is published. And while you're on our website, check out our research library. It includes a wide variety of research reports and articles. The latest topics include the Great Resignation, Texas Rural Land Market Dynamics, Property Owners Associations, a Texas Economic Update, Housing Tenure, and more. The link is on our podcast webpage. That's going to be it for today's podcast. If you're looking for more from the Texas Real Estate Research Center, head to our website. That's www.recenter.tamu.edu. There, you'll find the latest data, research articles, blogs, news, and more. For more Texas real estate news, subscribe to Recon, our bi-weekly newsletter. You'll get all the biggest stories sent straight to your inbox every Tuesday and Friday. The link is down below. Stay up to date on when articles are published on our website. Follow the Texas Real Estate Research Center on social media. You can find us with the handle at RECenterTX on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. For more podcasts like these, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or to our YouTube channel. All podcasts are also available for free on our website. Thanks for joining us today in the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Texas Real Estate Research Center in College Station, Texas, where we've been helping Texans make the best real estate decisions since 1971. This is Haley Reader Wiley, and I'll see you next time. Bye.